Hi, this is episode number 40 of Highlighting the Best of Youth Sports. In this interview, we talked a little TikTok and a whole lot of leadership with Jack Farrick of Catchers U. Jack has been training catchers since 2014 and has had close to 100 players go on to play at the collegiate level. Stick around for some great insights. Before we get into today's full episode, we want to say thank you again to our listeners and supporters. This show just surpassed 2,500 downloads and is growing each and every week. If you haven't done so yet, please go to Apple Podcasts right now and give us a rating and review. It literally takes 30 seconds and enables us to grow and reach more people, get new guests, and improve and bring you more content. Highlighting the best of youth sports is brought to you by our company, Numbers Don't Lie Productions. We're here to provide you with a highlight video editing resource to support your youth sports journey. We created a simple, quick, and low-cost process that helps you create highlights that document that journey and showcase your athletes. We have featured thousands of athletes in over 40 states and 15 countries. Schedule a free consultation and learn more today at www.numbersdontlie.biz. Now let's get into this episode. Welcome to Highlighting the Best of Youth Sports, where we bring you insights from top athletes, their sports journey, and those positively impacting the youth sports community. If you're ready like we are, let's go. Welcome, everyone. Today, we have Jack Farrick of Catcher's View. Jack has been training catchers since 2014 and has had close to 100 players go on to play at the collegiate level. Jack, welcome to Highlighting the Best of You Sports. How are you, sir? Doing great. How are you doing today, brother? Excellent. Excellent. We're excited to have you on today and, and learn from you and, and learn about your experiences and how, how you're helping uh, young athletes. Let's start with you taking a few moments to tell us a little bit about yourself, your sports background, and how Catchers You came to be. Yeah, sure. So um, played uh, high school baseball in the Virginia area. We played uh, at a high school called Colonial Forge. Went on to play at the United States Naval Academy. Uh, got into coaching uh, at a really young age and been a high school head coach going on. This will be my 10th year as a high school head coach. Started, uh, you know, like most coaches, started working with, um, you know, hitters young and then started getting into catching and really saw that catchers, you know, just because of the nature of the position with there usually only being one or two catchers on a team, practices, practice time allocated to just catching seemed to be very small. And I wanted to have something where I could provide defensive instruction for catchers, um, you know, cause a lot of times they weren't getting that work in practice and I'm, you know, being, having, you know, uh, you know, obviously uh, playing multiple sports in high school, you know, being a team mentality, uh, being in the military, you know, goal oriented. Um, I always thought it was great to be around like-minded people. So I wanted to create an environment where catchers could be with other catchers and start working together so that we could kind of, help each other figure out stuff. And, and that's one thing, you know, that um, catchers, sometimes I think they don't get as much of an opportunity as other positions. It's just, they don't have a sounding board as frequent as other positions. So in 2014 opened up catchers, you started doing uh, group and in, in camps and it's really grown. Uh, you know, we we've gotten into, 
obviously social media and, and now we, we have, you know, our group chats and, and we've, our network has kind of expanded. And like, like you said, um, we've had tons of kids. Uh, we're very fortunate to be, have worked with tons of kids that have been able to move on past high school, but we get just as excited when a kid makes their travel team or makes uh, their varsity team. I got a kid that got cut for two years, uh, his freshman year, sophomore year. I was actually just talking to his high school coach the other day and he's going to be the, right now on paper he's the starting catcher as high school which for me those are the real um you know success stories so that's kind of how we you know we got started we we just started you know getting guys together that wanted to work and uh it's taken off from there yeah and and you've done a great job and so you've worked in your the coaching training and the you guys do online training um you do one-on-one training uh you're in virginia but you're also able to work with athletes all around the country right Correct. Yeah, no, um, obviously, uh, with, with COVID and, and everything's happening, it's uh, allowed us to kind of expand our reach. Um, you know, I, I'm a gym rat. I'm, a, I'm always in the facility, always working. So uh, when I got a couple months of, hey, you're not allowed to go anywhere, um, we started being able to reach out and just and get to and get to catchers all over the place. You know, um, obviously, Zoom, um, FaceTime uh, ability to, you know, work with kids, you know, and, and the one thing I've noticed uh, from a catching position is you got a lot of self-motivated kids and you got a lot of kids that are willing to work hard. They just want to know where to go with it or what direction to take. And uh, so, yeah, no, our online lessons are doing great. Um, our, you know, obviously our camps and our facility, we've had kids uh, um, recently come from a pretty good distance uh, to come to some of our events. So it's, it's an exciting time for sure. Just to give some more perspective and, uh, you know, let our audience know, you know, really cement your authority as a coach and a, a leader in this space with, with catchers. So you, you, you started out, you work with youth, you're, you're a head high school baseball coach as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you obviously played at the collegiate level, um, but, uh, and you also have connections and have a network. You're an associate scout uh, for a major league team as well, correct? Correct. I also, uh, since I want to say 2010, um, I've been an associate scout with the Milwaukee Brewers and, um, and just, I've also just been very fortunate to be around a lot of great leaders and minds and, uh, in, in the coaching world and just really kind of got after it, started training with, you know, started, I got, I got to do it the right way. Started young with, uh, the right, with the right mentors. And then at the same time, I was able to work with kids and help them develop all the way through where I had kids that I trained for, you know, six, seven years that are now graduating, uh, who've graduated from college, you know, who've come back to the area, um, who, you know, and I always try to listen and learn, you know, from those guys. And it's just, like I said, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of expanded to the point where me personally, I think I've just been going at it for such a long time. And, uh, for some reason, people don't seem to not, not like me. <laughs> so, right. um, you know, a lot of people are willing to help me out and, and learn. And that's one thing, you know, I was, I was raised in a coaching family, uh, both my mom and my father, both, um, were both collegiate athletes. And, um, you know, my, my dad coached for 35 plus years. My mom coached for like 15 years. Um, and, uh, you know, you, one thing that they always, you know, pushed on me is, uh, you know, it, as soon as you think you're done learning or you think you're done uh, getting better as a coach, that's when you need to stop coaching because that's when you're not giving everything you can to your kids because you can always learn, you can always get better. And I know that's that's really, you know, made an impact on me and, and my two brothers. Um, 
my one brother uh, played college football and uh, got into wrestling. He was coaching wrestling for a little bit. And then my other brother played at Boston college in baseball. And he's actually the recruiting coordinator and pitching coach for Dayton university out in Ohio. What should be those initial expectations at the youth level? So, yeah, no, at the youth level, I think the biggest thing that you're looking for as a coach is you're looking for, you know, the, the simple metrics are obviously speed, arm strength, uh, hand-eye coordination, uh, power, you know, obviously those are, those are pretty, you know, out there, but what, what I think the other thing that you should be looking for is body control, or if there's a reason why a young kid doesn't have a body control, you know, there might be an 11 year old who's a little awkward, little big, uh, but you look at his parents and his mom's six, two, and his dad's six, four, he could be going through, I always joke about the awkward, uh, the baby giraffe phase. Um, you know, so there could be a reason why that kid is maybe struggling at 11 or 12, but that kid might be one of the better players by the time they get to 14, 15. So I think, the biggest thing as a coach is try to have a game plan of how you're going to develop or what you envision for each kid. Let's do a deeper dive into your specialty catching. Okay. And for an athlete starting out at the youth level and wanting to play catcher, what are a few of the foundational catching mechanics they need to learn, they need to understand and develop? So the, the two things that I always try to start off with is balance and posture. We want to make sure that we can get into a good catching stance so we want to have our feet you know, firmly on the ground and we want to have that core strength and, the, and that leg strength to make sure that we are in that good position the entire time we're back there. Posture, um, you know, a lot of kids think posture just means straight up and down, you know, like sit up at the dinner table. Uh, as long as our spine is straight, we, we have good posture. So the further our butt goes back, we always try to get our butt behind our heels. We can get into our hamstrings. Our chest will come forward a little bit more. So as long as that spine's straight, we're, we're in good posture. So the first thing that I do when I work with a kid um, who's a youth kid, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for if they can get to that stance and they can be in a good athletic stance to start. Now, with that being said, I do do a ton of work with kids on one knee. Now, this is where it gets a little bit uh, controversial a lot of the drills, especially if you go on my social media, you'll see a lot of my guys on one knee. We train traditional, so traditional being two feet. We train that a lot, and that's where the base of our guys are in games and, and, and ladies. We're in a two-foot traditional stance most of the time. However, from a load management standpoint, when we're doing our drill work, so if we're working on our hands, if we're working on um, – you know, our glove, our, our glove angles, we try to get ourselves in, in a, as rested of a position as we can. So we can focus on what we're focusing on. I'm a big believer in if we're trying to work on speed, then let's work on speed. If we're trying to work on strength, then let's work on strength. So if I'm working on my hands, I don't want, especially a younger kid, I don't want them, you know, more worried about being in a bad stance because their, their legs are burning or, you know, they're hurting. So, um, you know, we look for that and you can tell like a lot of plus athletes, they can get in that stance, they can hold that stance and they can, they can move uh, with both feet down on the ground and maintain good posture. If a kid struggles to get good posture, if he struggles to get into that stance, we're going to still work on that. But now that's going to be a lot of at home work as far as leg strength, stretching, hip mobility, ankle mobility. But from a drill standpoint, we don't want to, we don't want to have to wait until our legs are strong enough to get us into that good position. So 
by utilizing one knee down approach, a lot of times we can kind of isolate and work on our hands and our bodies as well. And sometimes when you put one knee down, it's easier to have better posture so that we can kind of work on that. Jack, for our audience uh, in the baseball and catching world, can you briefly explain what pop time is? Yeah, sure. So pop time is on a steal attempt. It's when a ball is um, comes to you as a catcher, pitched ball. It's from the time where the ball hits your glove, from the time it hits uh, the middle infielder at second base's glove. Um, and, and so the amount of time that that takes. And so you'll have – uh, and it's gotten broken down even more. Um, there's pop time and there's release time. And there's a lot of times for catch release time. And that's the time from when the ball gets into your glove from the time you release. So it's just a more, or sorry, it's, it's a specific or it's, it's a more focused way to kind of think about you as a catcher on how I can get that ball out quicker. And obviously, you know, that ball being accurate. So the full length is that pop time. And with, with baseball, there is so many different metrics out there for every position, offense, defense, a lot. And a lot of times uh, a statistic or a number like pop time can uh, be elevated to a level where many in, in the industry or in the field seem to think that that's the end all be all. But can you explain why catching is so much more than just pop time? Yeah, no, I think pop time is it just because it's the easiest way to get a metric for somebody behind the plate to kind of test athleticism, arm strength. And it's it's something that you, you can see every inning. It's funny that you mentioned this. So one thing that I've been trying really hard and, I, and I've like I said, I've been very fortunate to, to make great friends in the collegiate world and and in the catching world and is trying to come up with different ways to scout and grade our catchers. And, and the biggest, and the biggest thing is there's just not as many catching people out there that would really understand the, the data or the metrics. So what we try to really work on when we're trying to, let's say when I'm trying to talk to a high school coach or a travel coach or a college coach about a catcher, and I'm trying to explain to them what kind of player they are. Um, you know, the way I'll break it down at first is, you know, how are they as a receiver? You know, how are they set up? You know, Hey, they got a good, they got a good target. They're, there's somebody that your pitchers are going to like throwing to. Uh, they do a good job, you know, working the ball back to the zone, um, you know, and then from a blocking standpoint, hey, they can, you know, then we, you know, they, they do a good job of keeping that ball in front of them. They do a good job of block, recover, throw. Um, or if they don't, you know, then you say, hey, this is where they need to work on. And then the pop time is, you know, obviously something that most people have. The thing that's scary about pop time is it's a, it's a, statistic that sometimes has been used so much now that it's kind of one of those things that kind of scares people away. So now what most coaches at the recruiting level, at the professional level, they're looking at arm velocity back there. And they're also lurking, uh, looking at um, in-game pop time. So you'll see a lot more kids uh, sending video out of them throwing guys out in games and then putting the clock on that. I think that's the thing about pop time that it, it's, it's a good metric. It's like a good starting metric for catchers. And then that way, if you are athletic enough and you have the tools to show that you can play at that level, then I think a lot of times it kind of just, 
it makes com- coaches more comfortable to start talking about, okay, what kind of receiver is he? What kind of blocker is he? Um, you know, and stuff like that. And, and I think it's also, we, we talk about this a lot, you know, with, I, I get to talk about this a lot with college uh, coaches and, and even high school coaches is, you know, not a lot of people steal. So, um, you know, it, it's not as rampant of a play as it is in the youth leagues, right? right? Like in a youth, youth tournament, you'll have a team, you know, attempt 40, you know, 40 stolen bases in a five game set, right? They'll, they'll attempt, yeah. you know, eight to 10 bags a game. Uh, you get to high school, you know, very rarely um, do, do people run. And it's funny because my, at my, in my high school in Osborne park, we're known for stealing bases. We just go. And one reason people are like, you're a catching guy. Why, why do you guys go? It's like, well, I know how hard it is to throw people out a, but, but, you know, we, that's how we, that's our, our, our identity as a team, but, and that's also how we create pressure on, on the other team's defense, but other outside us, maybe a few other programs in our area, most teams maybe steal. like we we've, in my eight years uh, at Osborne Park, this will be my ninth, and I was at another school for another year. We've had no less than 100 stolen bases in 2021 games every year. Oh wow! Um, one year we we had 171 bags, and and that team was just ridiculously fast and really really good. But you know, most teams are going to attempt maybe 40 bags in a season. They and that's high because that's two attempts a game, and a lot of times they don't. They just teams just don't run. And so what I'm, what I'm getting at is it's, it's kind of funny because we talk about the, the pop time being like that, that entry level metric, but then it's all of a sudden it's like, so you start talking to these coaches, it's like, well, you're talking about two, three pitches a game, whereas the receiving is every pitch. The blocking is every high level pitch, every stress pitch. So we're trying to figure out ways to create um, metrics that, we could do it at our level at the high school level at, at the the showcase level at the travel level it's 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 you know obviously at the in the in the major league level they have the the analytic departments and they have the you know the strikes the the frame strikes you know the stolen strike they have all that data that just right now isn't necessarily possible to do you know in a doubleheader in an 11 u game um there's a guy uh midwest um catching that I talked to it and he created a catching scorecard that I really like a lot. It's so it's kind of more for like a coach to kind of help his kids say like, it's got like 30 things that you can do. And it's a plus plus system point system that you can do. Um, but you know, that's, that's the hardest thing is it's just like you said, it's, it's, it's kind of finding metrics. And the reason why you want metrics is because, numbers are easier to believe when you're trying to tell somebody about something right. than gut and opinion. The show will be right back, but we wanted to thank our national partner ID life for sponsoring today's episode of highlighting the best of youth sports. What separates ID life from other nutritional brands is it's 100% free ID assessment that is tailored to your unique health needs. The answers that you provide generate a confidential report with scientifically backed supplement recommendations, creating your own customized vitamin program. Visit numbersdontlie.idlife.com and take the free assessment today. Now back to the show. Jack, I I never played at the college level. Um, I, I played through high school and I 
started out as a catcher at a young age, six to seven years old until mm-hmm. I got into high school. And then I moved to second base. I was really small and didn't have a good arm. Uh, but it was ingrained in me from my dad coached me um, at a young age that the catcher's the general out there and the, right. the catcher's in charge. He's, he's the leader. And that's one of the reasons why I love the catching position so much. And to this day um, can appreciate it so much, even though I didn't, like I said, play at a higher level. Um, can you speak on the importance of leadership behind the plate? Leadership for me, I try to break it down at first and in, in our academy is we try to become great communicators. So we, we try to, we flip the word from leader to communicator just because it's a very, it's an easier thing to kind of get them to understand like, Hey, you're not, you're not trying to lead in the sense of you, you have to, all the pressures on you to make the right call. It's all right. We want you to talk to your pitchers. Um, you know, during, during quarantine, I tried something out where I made all of my catchers text their five best pitchers that they work with. And I said, all I want you to do is say, what pitch do you like to throw? Where do you like to throw it? When do you like to throw it? And I said, get that information, start from there, see how that information goes. And then after you get that go, well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And what you end up doing is by becoming a great communicator with your teammates, now you're able to tell them what to do because there's a trust that's, that's built up. A lot of kids, they try to be the catcher and they just think about yelling, you know, what base is this? What base is that? And, you know, it, that works. Like I said, that some kids, it, they have that ability. They have the ability to, to have a loud volume and not come across like a jerk. Um, I know me personally, I, I had to work on not being a jerk for a long time. I'm still working on it, according to my wife. <laughs> um, but, you know, just learning how to talk to each other. And, and then, you know, the catcher comes, you know, so perfect example, like, you know, catcher calls it, you know, a curveball, and the pitcher doesn't want it, you know, doesn't want to throw it and, and it happens and whatever happens and you go in and the, let's say, you know, we give up the hit. We go to the dugout. Well, if we're, if we don't have a relationship, we're gonna be like, well, why didn't you throw the curveball? Why, you know, and, or, you know, but if we do have a relationship, be like, Hey man, I called the curveball. Like I thought we were set up. Like what, what, what was going on? I just didn't feel comfortable. I didn't want to throw it. All right. Well, they, that happens. Or it's like, well, Hey, next time, man, just trust me. Like, even if it's not your best pitch, like we have that guy set up those conversations lead to leadership in, in my opinion. And I think especially with younger kids, because, you know, we all, you know, everyone knows peer leadership's the hardest, yep. you know, and, and I think you, you try as hard as you can to get these kids to understand what they're talking about first. And you give them little goals, you know, it's like, okay, Hey, so you're allowed to talk to the pitchers as a coach talking to my catcher, you know, okay. Hey, you're allowed to, um, you know, you, you're allowed to call, you know, what you want to do in a bunt situation, or you're allowed to do this. Well, with each thing that you give them, that more responsibility you give, give them opportunities to communicate and learn what they're supposed to have. Right. Whereas like, so some, one big thing that I hear a lot is, well, at what age can you call the game? At what age am I allowed to call the game? Well, depends on when you're ready. You know, how much, how much studying are you doing on your pitchers? You know, you know, how's the ball move? How does, how does, uh, where do they like to throw the ball? Do they like to go up? Do they like to go down? What, what's a good pitch? And I think what happens is, as a catcher, it's a servant leadership position. So kids that start understanding that and they start kind of understanding that, okay, 
how do I make this guy more successful? How do I make the team more successful? And as a coach, if you can keep feeding them that information, then what ends up happening is their confidence in their own knowledge grows. Then they're able to start vocalizing that and yelling it because they're not scared of being wrong. And even if they are wrong, then they're like, okay, I made a mistake. And they have enough credibility with their team that it shouldn't cause any major drama. You know, I joke all the time with guys like, look, I don't really care if we're on the wrong page as long as we're on the same page. Cause if we're all on the same page. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to get out of this, you know? So I really think that's, you know, when you talk about leadership, just trying to get these kids to learn how to communicate first. And I think then you'll start seeing a lot, a lot more leadership qualities coming out of your players. The name of our company is numbers. Don't lie, uh, which has different meanings and different ways for athletes. What does the phrase numbers don't lie mean to you? I think it, it numbers don't lie to me is, is metrics and it's, you know, maybe, you know, stats and, uh, you know, stuff that non-opinion based, non-opinion based information, put it like that. <laughs> yeah. And what we like to uh, tell our, you know, tell people is it, it tells you if what you're doing is working and if so, keep doing it. And it also tells you, you know what, you need some more reps. You need some more work in this specific area and here the numbers, especially over time, they don't lie. So agreed. Uh, how can young athletes best utilize social media in their sports journey? Yeah, no, I think the number one thing when it comes to social media, and like I said, I was at the Naval Academy when social media really kind of came out. So I got a different education on social media than most. Um, we were made aware very early on of how it could impact you as a as a person, as your reputation. And so there, I've always kind of had a different maybe um, learning curve than most when it came to social media. I think the biggest thing is, and you know, what we used to always tell each other is like, make sure your grandma can read everything yep. on your, on your post. I think that's the easiest way to do it. Um, never post anything emotionally, you know, uh, that's that, you know, those, that's when, you know, when you're trying to be funny or, you know, or it's something that, you know, that if you know that somebody in your family wouldn't appreciate you posting it, um, if it's something that's emotional, you know, don't post it. I mean, we, we're all human and obviously, you know, but social media for me, especially as a young athlete, who's trying to climb the ladder and is trying to, you know, reach their goals. Don't, don't put anything on there that is going to, uh, hurt your future or, or just, you know, maybe not even hurt your future, just maybe not represent who you are as a person. And I think that, you know, that's the biggest thing from, you know, how, how can it help you? Like, Post videos if you having fun playing well, uh, playing the game the right way. Re repost videos, retweet videos of stuff that you're learning from. You know, if you see a good, say you're a catcher, you see a good video of, and I do it all the time. You know, with the guys that I follow and I watch, like if I see something great, uh, Jerry Weinstein, who's you know the godfather of catching. Um, you know, I see something that he posts that's really awesome. Hey, I click it and I retweet it and I post it out there because. You know, there's maybe, you know, maybe somebody who's following me that might help them click. So, like I said, I think for, for, um, for kids, you know, when it comes to their social media, like post good videos of yourself, post fun videos of yourself, um, in the sense of, you know, towards your goals, you know, if your if your goal is to be a TikTok dancer, then, Hey, you know, post it. But, you know, if that language on the music's not right, um, you know, I wouldn't post that if you're trying to be, you know, a prospect, um, at the collegiate level. Yeah, that, that's great as advice. And, and as we were going through all of your stuff, um, 
you know, you, you have a decent following on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter. And then we saw that you're on TikTok and I opened yes. up the TikTok account and 98,000 followers and over <laughs> 2 million views. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. How, how did that happen? So, um, it was, it was kind of one of those things, uh, I, I, I like posting videos of, of my guys and my, and my girls when they're working. And it started off, I saw TikTok uh, about a year ago, uh, a little bit over a year ago now. And I just really liked actually the software. You know, it was something where I could take three, four videos, I could put a little music to it, and then I was posting it. So I was posting it to TikTok, but I was using it more to post to Instagram or Twitter or, or, or Facebook. And then couple of videos just kind of went viral and then it kept going and you know it's it's a it it really fit kind of my style uh, i've always been a player or catcher first type uh instructor like i communicate very well uh with my players and i think the format just kind of fit my style and it can it kind of keeps growing so yeah ninety eight thousand, uh like two million likes or, or or what have you and it's 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 a, it's a fun little, um, app, but again, something that every, you know, if you, if you notice all my videos, like there's no cursing, there's no nothing like that because, you know, I wanted to make sure that it represents, you know, who I am as a person and, and what my Academy is. Um, and, and, and vice versa. It's helped me grow on some of the other social media platforms. I think we just got over 4,000 on Instagram, uh, trying to grow on Facebook. Um, but I feel like I need to do a little bit better reaching out to moms and dads and, and not catchers, uh, you know, specifically yeah. for sure. No. And the, the one thing I noticed, well, I noticed several things on, on the TikTok is it's not those weird dancing videos and create, there's nothing crazy about what you're, you're posting the, the skills training that, that, that you're doing with the kids. And, um, it's just, it, it's really, uh, taking off with that. And, and that, that's awesome. And hopefully, uh, you know, when I, I'll, I'll get a few video clips of this and you can, uh, send something out on the yeah. podcast, uh, yeah. on, on your TikTok. Yeah, no doubt. And I think, well, and I think the other thing too, is I think the format's great because, you know, instead of doing a, you know, 15, uh, minute thing where you're breaking it down, you know, it's 15, 20 seconds, kids see it, they try it, they comment it, um, you know, kind of not to go back, but the leadership thing, kids can communicate on social yep. media very easy and a lot of these kids are very comfortable asking questions on a social media platform especially on tiktok that i know for a fact because i have some of those same kids they ask me great questions on tiktok and i see them in person i go where are your questions now you know right but, right, right um no, but yeah you know yeah, for sure it, and i think too one thing you you mentioned that uh, we haven't really heard much of when we ask this question to other coaches and and scouts is uh, the thing you mentioned about retweeting and reposting things that are helping you personally, um, you know, with your skills about that, that's, that's an awesome piece of advice. And, and I'm looking forward to, uh, people hearing that, uh, as well. So Jack, uh, what, what role do highlight or skills videos play in the sports journey? And specifically as kids start getting more competitive and going through the recruitment process, what, what role can highlight videos and skills videos play in that role in that process? They are a great introductory piece um, to colleges yeah. and to high school coaches and to, and to basically anyone that you want to see you play. They're really, really important, especially right now. I mean, we are in an unprecedented time from a recruiting standpoint. Videos right now and game video 
is more important now than it's ever been, especially for the division one level uh, with the dead period being extended. I, I want to say, well, I know at least through January, maybe through March now, I think, yeah. um, you know, video is really all you can do. So it's something that it's very, very important. It's something that you want to make sure you have good video uh, and, you know, and kind of like the numbers don't lie. Well, you know, the other saying is the eye in the sky don't lie. The video doesn't lie. Right. So right. It's something that kind of, again, it, it gives your coach something to talk about. Like, I know, like I'll use video and I'll say, Hey, this is my guy. Here he is. This is what he can do. This is what he can do in a game. And coach is like, man, I just wish I could see him. I was like, well, you know, now you got a lot of, um, you got a lot of tournaments that are live streaming. And, and I can tell you like that, that is the best chance you have right now when it comes to being seen because your you, coaches can see how you move. They can see how you can compete. And um, obviously, yeah, they, they love being out in person. They want to see, they want to hear, they want to get the vibe. They want to see the presence. Um, but the video is as important now as it's ever been in, in this time period with, with the COVID. Right. And for people to get better at taking the video, I, I tell them capture everything, you, you know, work with your Correct. parents, have them and capture it. You're not going to use everything. You're not going to post everything, but capture it because you're going to get better at it. And then you're going to start finding the gold within all of that footage as well. So, well, correct. And if you're on a travel team, just, you know, have all your parents, you know, okay, GoPro, maybe that's too expensive, but Hey, if everybody chips in and, and you get a team GoPro or you do something like that, where you can kind of post that thing up there so you can get some video. I agree. Like the more video, the better you can always not send something, but you know, you want to send certain things. I think the other thing is, you know, from like a catching standpoint, people always ask me like, what should I put on a video? I mean, obviously pop time, but show good bullpen sessions. Like, you know, show, and you don't have to put like, this is Tommy Anderson, who's the number one draft pick throwing to me. Just, just put, just, you know, show somebody, you know, you're catching somebody that's pretty good. Um, you know, coaches can see, you know, especially the college coaches, they can tell if a guy's throwing 75 or if he's throwing 85, right. You know, the ball gets there a little different. The ball's got movement. Um, show yourself receiving, you know, get yourself, uh, you know, show yourself blocking a little bit, uh, you know, show the complete package, you know, obviously hitting, throwing, uh, but that receiving and that blocking could be that difference of, man, I really like the way this guy goes because there are a ton of recruiting coordinators that are pitching guys that are pitching coaches and every pitching coach loves great receivers. So from a video standpoint, from the catchers show that coach that you can handle their staff. That's awesome. That's awesome advice. And uh, we're, we're glad to get that info from you and, and get that out as well. So Jack, let's uh, we're going to transition to our final rapid fire questions. We're running out of okay. some time here. So the, the final rapid fire questions um, first, What's the best piece of leadership advice you've received? Best piece of leadership advice I've ever received. Don't be scared to say the wrong thing or to do the wrong thing. Just do it with the right intention. Who's your favorite athlete and why? Favorite athlete right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take a, a, an easy answer right now. Andre scrub. Uh, just made it up with the Astros, former player of mine, my first guy to ever make it up. Uh, he's a pitcher. Uh, but first guy I've ever coached that made it to the big leagues. That's awesome. We're going to check him out. Uh, who's your favorite coach and why? Bill Belichick, uh, just because he's done it his way. He has created an ability to work with superstars, no stars, 
and he's done it his way and he's very unapologetic. So as a coach, like I, I, I like when guys are able to be themselves and trust that what they are secure enough to do what they're doing is enough and not necessarily worry about popular opinion. When you were an athlete, who inspired you? Uh, I mean, not, not to be corny again, but my father, you know, my father made a huge impact on my life. Uh, he was a guy that, uh, worked very early so he could get off early and was, uh, coached me in high school and football and baseball. And, uh, he was a guy that, you know, I didn't just want to make him proud that, you know, I wanted uh, to work hard so that, you know, it wasn't just uh, my hard work that would pay off. It was also his. And finally, Jack, where can people follow you and find out more about catching you and everything that you're doing? So uh, our website's catchersu.com. Um, that we have a chat option on the website that you can hit us up on Instagram. We're at catchersu underscore you, and on TikTok we're at catchersu. Uh, just plain and simple. And on Facebook, you can type us in too. Uh, you'll look for the green logo. Uh, we're super, you know, we're growing every day. Uh, we'll, we do as best we can to get back to people right away. If you have questions and uh, we'll do everything we can to help you get better behind the plate. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jack. I really appreciate it. And uh, let's have you on again soon and, and stay connected. Okay. That'd be awesome. Anytime. Okay. Thank you, sir. Have a great weekend. You too. All right. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of highlighting the best of youth sports. Be sure and subscribe and please help us reach more people by leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. If you or someone you know are interested in learning more about Numbers Don't Lie and what we do, what programs and services we offer for athletes, and how to get your athlete involved, be sure to visit numbersdontlie.biz. Until our next episode, go out and win the day and never miss your opportunity to be great. Thanks for listening to Highlighting the Best of You Sports.